You're listening to the Speaking Tongues podcast. I'm your host, El Sharice. Each week, I sit down to a conversation with multilinguals where we discuss and celebrate language, life, and culture through our own perspectives. Episode 61, Speaking Palestinian Arabic and German. Hello, language lovers. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Speaking Tongues, the podcast in conversation with multilinguals. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Ikhlas, a teacher and journalist who has come to join me to discuss her native Arabic dialect and the German language. In this episode, we're talking about learning languages in Palestine and hearing different languages spoken throughout a multilingual Jerusalem. We talk about Arabic words spoken throughout the Levantine dialect and how vowel usage in Jordan, Syria, Lebanon, and Palestine can change the same word throughout this region. Ikhlas tells us about Palestinian dialects from the big city to the countryside, and she even shares the unusual way that she came to learning the Polish language in school in Jerusalem. And finally, we talk about life in Germany, the German language, and how she found herself one day becoming a teacher of Arabic in Germany. We also talk about Palestinian culture and the unfortunate reality that so many Palestinians face of racism and violence in their own country toward the middle of this episode. And while we don't go into graphic detail, I do want to give a trigger warning for this conversation. Big thank you to Ikhlas for this thoughtful, thought-provoking, funny, and emotional conversation, and for sharing your journey with us. If you enjoy this episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the Speaking Tongues podcast on Apple Podcasts, or like and subscribe on YouTube so that other language lovers like ourselves can find the show. And if you've been a longtime listener of the show, or even a recent listener, you can now support the show on buymeacoffee.com. Links to all platforms are in the show notes. Okay, let's chat. Welcome back to another episode of Speaking Tongues. I am joined today. I'm here with Ikhlas. How are you today, Ikhlas? Hi, El. I'm fine. How are you? I'm wonderful. And I'm so happy to have you here. And I'm so happy that we're going to have an opportunity to have this conversation. Yeah, <laughs> I like to start each episode with the same question, and that is, what is your first language and which languages have you learned to speak? Well, um, my first language is uh, Levantine Arabic. It's the language uh, spoken in Palestine, as I'm Palestinian, and uh, it's also spoken in the Levant, which is Lebanon, Syria, Jordan, and Palestine. And I learned um, English, German, Italian, and Hebrew. Not all at once, of course, but <laughs> like, uh, you know, uh, one or two at a time. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's amazing. Um, how did you come to learn those other languages? Um, did you hear them when you were growing up in your, as a child? in anything that you heard yes. in, your, in your home or? In, at home, we speak basically Arabic, Levantine dialect. And then when we start going to school, uh, we start learning new languages. So English is a language that we have to learn from the first grade. We start learning um, the modern standard Arabic and English both like starting from the first grade, we start learning these both languages. Um, afterwards, um, when we get into higher classes, we start learning another foreign language. In my case, I started to learn German because um, um, that's the language that my school chose to teach. Mm. So uh, these were the three languages I was basically busy with while I was at school. And um, but later on, I had my hobby. I, I love Italian. So um, I learned Italian. I visited Italy to make a language course. Yeah. And uh, we have a special history with languages um, in, in Palestine because we have to deal with so many people from all over the world, you know, coming to visit the country. 
so we we get to speak uh, on a daily basis different languages. Mm-hmm. That's really important, and I'm glad that you brought that up because I want to talk about the languages that one could typically hear in Palestine. And I know that it's not just Arabic, but um, can you tell us a bit about what other kind of languages you'd be most likely to hear in Palestine and and where people are coming to visit from? Yes. Yes. Um, So um, in Palestine, um, you know, um, it's um, the... um, there are so many holy places because of the Bible. Uh, so people are coming from all over the world to visit the holy sites. Um, so you basically listen to English, German, French, Italian. Um, there are thousands and thousands of people coming uh, from these countries. And when you walk through the streets in the old city of Jerusalem, you see so many groups of tourists, you know, mm-hmm. uh, with their tour guide, everyone speaking in his uh, language, explaining them the holy places. And so you get to you, you get used to listen to them while they are talking. And then wow. you, you know, uh, you listen to the merchants while they try to sell their stuff um, in foreign language, like you would listen to a Palestinian talking in in perfect Italian or perfect Spanish mm. you know, selling his stuff and people are having fun bargaining uh, trying you know to push prices down to to have a good price but you know it's the orient so mm-hmm. you know how that goes with uh, buying with shopping you need to bargain a lot yes 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 that's half the fun yeah, <laughs> that's what they say, right? <laughs> I'm terrible at it, but I've seen people do it in um, in West Africa. And it's like, it's really such a skill, right? To be able to to talk to people and, and it's fun. It's it's there's nothing. No one's trying to take advantage of anybody, but it's it's a separate life skill. I think <laughs> I noticed that as you were talking and you said that your first language is Arabic and you said Levantine Arabic, which we know by now is Arabic spoken in, um, in the Levant Mm -hmm. region. I would love to know, um, of the dialects of Arabic spoken in the region. What are some similarities that Palestinian dialect shares with the Arabic spoken in Lebanon Jordan or in Syria? Yeah, the uh, dialect Levantine is a main dialect in the Arab world. uh, And uh, it's uh, basically uh, the same language that these four countries that I told you before that are Palestine, uh, Jordan, Syria and Lebanon, uh, these countries share the same language. So actually the similarities are more than the differences. Um, Like if you want to take it to take the differences now, um, there are are some words that uh, would be um, said differently in uh, in Lebanon than in in Palestine. So for example, the word, uh, how are you would be short to a male, kifak. Uh, and um, uh, in Lebanon or in Syria, even they would say shlonak. Oh, so two different words, right? But of course, they would understand kifak, and we in Palestine would understand shlonak. Mm-hmm. But still, we know that these differences, right? We understand mm. each other. Uh, then one one basic difference or the basic different uh, different uh, difference between uh, these languages is uh, basically using the vowels. Hmm. So um, we have same words, but we would use them with different vowels, you know. So uh, when we speak Arabic about the Arabic language is an, a language with so many consonants, right? Yeah we basically write consonants 
But still, of course, we have the vowels that we don't write. Let me give you maybe an, an example to make you understand it. Okay. So if we want to say bread in Palestinian Arabic, we would say khubiz. 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 Uh, the Lebanese or the Syrians, they would say khibiz. Khibiz. So khubiz to khibiz. Okay. It's the, the consonants are the same, but it's, they, they have different vowels. Right. Let's take the word uh, rice, right? Rice mm -hmm. to eat. So uh, rice is in Palestinian Arabic, roz. Roz. And in Syrian or in Lebanese Arabic, it would be riz. Riz. So again, we play differently with the vowels. I see. Uh, so um, this is the basic difference. Like when we speak, everyone would know where I come from. Uh, they would recognize I come from Palestine. Uh, as uh, we would recognize if somebody comes from Jordan or from Syria or from Lebanon, because our vowels in the words are different right that's interesting because i was thinking aside from an accent or a word like a specific word that's completely different like how how would you know if somebody were from syria or jordan um based on what they're saying but if it's the vowels that indicate that, then that's the answer to my question. <laughs> well, but you are right, Elle. Um, you know, I said the vowels and some words, but the, the accent and the intonation of sentences is also a bit different from country to country, but it's still Levantine, you know? Levantine is a huge dialect, is a huge dialect. Um, so even within Palestine, we have different dialects. Mm. So we talk now about the dialects between these countries, but then uh, let's let's talk just about Palestine and its dialects. Yeah. And it's also just, you know, it's only uh, Palestine, like the city of Jerusalem, uh, the city of Nazareth, the city of Nablus or Ramallah or Bethlehem. So all these cities, they have different dialects, you know? When I was a kid, I grew up uh, speaking rural dialect. Hmm. So rural is basically spoken in the countryside. Right. It's where I come from. It's, uh, you know, it's a little town uh, called Zababdi and uh, people are just uh, farmers. Um, it's a countryside. People speak rural Arabic. Mm. At the age of six, I uh, went to school in Jerusalem. I okay. was in a boarding school. So uh, Jerusalem is a city. So there they speak urban Arabic. Oh. Yeah. So you see in Palestine, we have two major differences in our dialect, which is urban Arabic and rural Arabic. Mm -hmm. So from the age of six, I started to learn to speak urban Arabic, <laughs> <laughs> which I didn't want when I was a kid because I, you know, I felt like I wanted to talk like my mom. Yeah. But then all the students in class were speaking uh, um, the urban Arabic and, uh, you know, I had to uh, just fit into the class and I started automatically speaking like them. Mm-hmm. What was that experience like coming from a rural part of Palestine and coming into a big city where I'm assuming, and you tell me if I'm right or wrong, that the Arabic spoken there could even be not just other Palestinians, but other Levantine dialects as well. Um, Levantine um is the right word dialects? What's the right word? I'm looking. Yeah, for? it's it's a dialect. <laughs> it's another dialect. It's another Levantine dialect. It, it was. Let me tell you, I think 
when I think back, it was a culture shock for that age, you know, <laughs> at the age of six years. Uh, first of all, you start going to school. I went to a kindergarten, but just for a small time, you know, just short time. Like, I don't, I don't even remember how long I went to the kindergarten, maybe just one month. Mm. Uh, or maybe I went longer, but, but I just don't remember. So that was hard at the beginning, but I don't know how I made it, but all of a sudden I was just speaking like them. (laughs) It's the way kids do it. Right. Right. You just hear something, you just imitate not a conscious decision. It's just, it just happened. Yeah. So, uh, to tell you about my other languages and how I came to learn them. So um, that was the, uh, the point that I moved from uh, uh, the rural countryside, from the town where my family lived to Jerusalem, big city, right? So I didn't move with my family. Instead, I was there on my own in a boarding school. My family decided to put me to the boarding school because they wanted that I have a better education, you know? Right, right. So not only a better education, but also to learn different languages. That was a major point as well. So I was in the boarding school um, and there we had to learn to speak English. So not just changing, you know, places and dialects, like rural to urban but all of a sudden you know you are in a boarding school we had to speak English with an it was a you know a boarding school a boarding house uh, with nuns um, so the nuns uh, were from Poland mm. but they spoke with us in English so the nuns were speaking with each other in Polish and we girls it was basically for girls Uh, we used to speak with each other, of course, Arabic. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we spoke with the nuns in English. So it was uh, multilingual, you know, living in a house and and speaking different languages. Wow. So that was from the age of six. Yeah. So all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you like, you wake up, Um, then you are in the middle of life speaking different languages, but you don't know why. It's just like that. It's just like that. You don't think, (laughs) why do I have to speak English? Or why do I speak Arabic? Or why why do we do that? But when I grew up older, I found myself, you know, everybody would ask me, wow, you speak so many languages. But I thought, well, isn't that normal? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's the way we live. (laughs) In Jerusalem... Outside of your school, or as you as you move there and you live there, were many people speaking multiple languages that like that? Um, basically, uh, people um, in in the old city of Jerusalem or in Jerusalem speak more than one language. Okay, um, at least two languages, like Arabic and English. Um, and, um, of course, merchants, you would hear merchants talking to, to the tourists. Mm-hmm. And uh, then you would hear so many languages like Spanish, Italian, German. So, but of course, it's, you know, their, uh, their place of working where they use these languages. But people in Palestine would basically speak Arabic and English. So that you started on your language journey very early. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. It was basically because not only because of the, you know, of Palestine and having so many tourists, but because of the boarding school I was living in um, with the nuns, uh, European nuns. Mm -hmm. Um, So they were they taught us how to speak different languages, of course. Uh, They were, they wanted us to speak perfect English and uh, they were teaching us very hard, you know, to speak it perfectly, (laughs) but they were speaking Polish. And um, like one day um, I was at the age of, I think maybe 12, 13 years, 
the children, uh, oh, sorry, the sisters, the nuns were talking to each other in Polish and, and me and the other girls, we were just doing what they were talking about. And they said, oh, damn, we didn't tell them to do that. But how did they know? And we said, of course, we understood. And then she said, come here. And she was speaking to me in Polish. And I would answer, and oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, so we were speaking Polish. They didn't teach us to speak Polish. But um, because they said, you don't need that language. You know, Poland is a small country. You don't, mm. need, you don't need to speak Polish, right? And then we were like, please teach us the language. We want to learn it very good. But, um, you know, it was no uh, time to, to just learn and write. So it was learning through hearing. And we were, uh, you know, talking to, to, uh, to some visitors from Poland who came over like for one month, not speaking any other language, but, but Polish. So we had no problem. We were speaking Polish with them. And, you know, the nuns, they were very, very astonished about this. But it's a pity we didn't have enough time, you know, to make uh, reading, writing courses. It was just um, speaking. When you started learning German later on, how much um, or if at all, was Polish helpful to you when you started learning German? And when I came to Germany, um, I spoke better Polish than German, I must wow. say. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I learned German at school. So you learn grammar, you learn to read, to write. Uh, you make basic dialogues, but like long dialogues, I was able to say them uh, to, to, to manage better in Polish than in German. Um, and well, it didn't help me. They're not relative languages, you know, mm-hmm. totally different. The one yeah. is Slavic language and the other one, Indo-Germanic language, totally different. So maybe English uh, helped me a bit more, you know, to, to learn German more than Polish. Mm-hmm. Well, I was, I guess I was thinking about the cases because Polish has cases Right. And German has cases, too. Does Arabic have cases? Yes. Okay. Now, I did not know that. So you are already familiar with cases. Yes, I am. And you know what? The only thing in Arabic, we don't take our grammar seriously. (laughs) We have the cases. Believe me, Elle, in, in, uh, uh, you know, daily life, we don't use them. Mm. The cases are important in a modern standard Arabic. Uh, it's important when you write. It's important for a new speaker. Um, it's important just, you know, on TV and radio, uh, some business that needs the, the modern standard Arabic. Otherwise, mm. we don't use it. So all of a sudden, to learn the cases in German, uh, where we have to use the cases every day, it is so hard, I can oh. tell you. <laughs> and, you know, uh, the thing is about the Arabic language, uh, we have the cases, they give us a lot of information about the sentence, but we understand much more from the context, you know? Mm. So you, you need to know a lot more to understand the language right the sentence uh so the difference is between arabic speaker or a german speaker or arabic language and german language in arabic language you just say the sentence you have a subject and a verb and an object Mm -hmm. we don't put the we don't put you know we don't show the case in it just these three words but the reader would know who is the subject and who is the object, right? Because, because of the context. Right. But in German, you can do that. You need to show that otherwise. Otherwise, the German reader will not understand. 
Do you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. I do. So, <laughs> so it's really, you know, that is not only my case, but many uh, German learners have the problem with the cases. So um, I am a German teacher as well. So teaching these cases to foreigners, you know, if they're, they're not from a background that they have to use it on daily basis, like the Greek, for example, mm. um, they find huge difficulties. Like English speakers would, wow, they go crazy with all these, you know, <laughs> with all these uh, cases. Um. I want to, I want to get into German, but let me take a step yeah. back really quickly because I want to, before I switch gears, I want to ask you about some culture in Palestine. And I want to ask, um, what are some things about Palestinian culture that you would want people to know, people who are not familiar with it or people who have never visited? And how does Palestinian culture stand out um, in the Levantine region um, and what are some things that you think make Palestinian culture so special? This is a very good question and a very tough one, you know, mm. uh, as a Palestinian, you know, um, it's we are always in the news as Palestinians. Uh, we don't have an easy history, uh, especially, you know, what was happening recently in, uh, in Gaza Strip. Um, and, you know, talking about Palestine, uh, and I am living abroad, so um, uh, it's, it's really hard. Uh, you can get emotional talking about your um, homeland. But, um, you know, I, I want to say that Palestinians are really uh, people that are very kind, people full of love. Um, no hatred in them mm -hmm. and a huge amount of Palestinians are very well educated people mm. um, in Palestine it's um, there are so many religious groups this is a thing that maybe no one thinks of um, in Palestine there is a majority of Muslims but there is a, a, a a good number of Christian Palestinians of uh, different congregations. Right. So there are also uh, small groups of, uh, let's say, Druze, uh, like religious groups or ethnicity, ethnicity that is living um, within Palestine. Um, maybe uh, this is important for me to, to tell people that Palestinians are very uh, diverse, mm. um, you know, um, in, um, in religion. Um, they are also very educated. Um, they live, uh, so many uh, number of people are living abroad uh, in the, we say in the diaspora, right? Yeah. So, but one thing, keep us all together and this is our homeland it's uh, these are our roots that you know uh, keep us going back to visit but also because Palestinians are pretty religious whether they are Muslims or Christians so they also can go back to visit the holy places mm. um, so this is for me very important to tell the people Thank you so much for sharing that. And, you know, I think this year has proven how important it is to understand a culture outside of what we see on the news and what we see on social media. And um, I like to ask this question. I like to ask this question to to everyone because I as much as I talk about language on the show, you know, culture is such a big part of language. And I don't think that the two can be separated necessarily. <laughs> right. And I, you know, I see things and I'm very aware, uh, you know, being an American, I'm very aware that there are things that get shown on the, in the news and in the media that are 
sometimes incorrect or not the whole story and things get distorted. So um, I don't want to be a part of that. And I, I like to ask people what makes things special to them. And I, I think these conversations are important. So thank you so much for, for sharing that. And um, I think that's lovely. Thank you. Thank you. You know, Al, uh, one thing I may I like to add, which is about us Palestinians, um, you know, let's talk about Western media. We are always the bad guys, you know, as Palestinians, and we're yeah. not. We're not. We are not bad guys. We, we don't have hate in us, you know, mm-hmm. um, but it's, you know, to be humiliated every day. Mm-hmm. Um, to keep losing uh, land, um, maybe um, to lose the house you're living in, this this hurts, you know, you can't stand that. Um, so uh, fighting for your right doesn't mean you're a bad guy. Right, of course, of course not. And if we look back to history, you know, um, even uh, uh, Germans have been fighting for their rights uh, whether the Scottish people have been fighting, uh, the Indians have been fighting, you know, everyone was fighting for his rights. And it's, you know, we live in the 21st century and, and still we, we are occupied, you know, and we fight for our rights and then we are the bad guys. Right. So this hurts, this hurts, but this is the media. Uh, and I must say, in, in living in Germany, um, I have been traveling uh, to many countries. Uh, so I, in Germany, I face two kinds of people. Uh, some people would welcome me like, oh, that's interesting. You're a Palestinian woman. We'd like to talk to you because, you know, we have an, an other opinion about Palestinian, Palestinians in general and then about Palestinian women. So they meet me uh, and they see, wow, I didn't know that, you know, that, is, that there, there are educated people or that there are Christian people. Oh, my God. Or people or women not wearing a scarf, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I'm meeting German people that are, you know, even attacking me verbally, you know, for being Palestinian, like get out of the country, leave the country, you know, leave it for the Israelis to live in peace. So uh, I experienced that, um, I must say, too many times, you know. And I'm it's so this- sorry. Uh, well, Al, it is like that. And, uh, but I have good friends, you know, they, they help. Uh, they help a lot, you know, to, to feel good. Uh, and when I go abroad, you know, uh, people always ask me where I come from. And when I say Palestine, like, you see, it's, it's always positive for the people to meet uh, a person like myself um, and talk to me. Mm-hmm. It's like they have <laughs> a lesson in history or, you know, a cultural lesson. And you know what? Uh, even meeting Israelis is, is fun for both sides of us. It's, you know, there is no hate between the two people. Like we could meet and we could talk and we could have so much fun together. Yeah. Isn't that nice? That's what life is. That's what life should be, you know, right. I, I feel like I, I've said this before on the show, but I say it a lot in my personal life, like we're all human beings and we all have the same access to information in 2021 in the modern world. And we right. all want the same things. We all want to be loved. We all want to be safe. We all want obviously to be nourished with food and water and, and have our basic needs met how could you approach somebody and think that that person wants something different from you? How can you approach somebody for no reason with hate just because of where they come from? And that's just so unacceptable to me because we, I I don't have words for, for that kind of like ignorance. It's just so disgusting. Right. 
But you know what? Um, I, I have my students um, in Germany and some, some of them have, you know, some, some difficulties um, because they still don't speak the language fluently. So sometimes they face like kind of, uh, let's say, racism or mm. they feel um, unwelcome. Um, so, you know, I motivate them. Don't worry. You know, you are learning the language. You have a great culture in you. And if a person attacks you, it's not because of you, whether because of you are blonde or you're dark or black or white or because of your cross or, or because of your scarf. It's because of them. They have something in them and they are just aggressive because of themselves and not because of you. You just happen maybe to give them the chance to talk to you and show it, right? So I I tell them, face it, be strong. It's not because of you, it's it's them. They have a problem. Yeah. I'm getting so emotional right now. (laughs) You don't worry. As long as you're a payer here, (laughs) you don't worry. (laughs) I just hate that stuff so much. It just, it really, it really gets to me. I don't, I don't, I don't think anybody should have to go through that. And, um, you know, that's one, one of the reasons why I started this show and I wanted to have conversations with people from all over the world, because that's what I want in, in my life. And that's how I see myself as just somebody who is tolerant and wants to learn more from people and not just eat the information that's being fed to me by you know cable news and <laughs> right and and all these news sources like I actually want to create connections with people and and I think that things like that hopefully is my hope and my goal that it it eliminates or it helps to eliminate start eliminating a lot of these prejudices that people face and they don't ask for um yeah. I'm a black woman living in America and I feel so invisible like all the time and you know, hearing other people's stories that sometimes are worse than what I've experienced personally, it just, it breaks my heart. And it's, I don't know. I, it does, it does, (laughs) you know, uh, uh, it's, you know, uh, that is, uh, that is life. Um, and it's one thing about uh, globalization, I think that uh, one positive thing is we, we got to move from our, you know, country and go all over the world. But the people are not open everywhere. Maybe they don't have the chance to just go like you did. Maybe that's why they are aggressive. Mm. And, you know, um, um, if they have something against against another human because of their shape or because of whatever, because the way they are, um, they put their clothes on, then it's their problem. Uh, then I think if they're, you know, if they're against you, you should feel like privileged. You made it to come here. Maybe they didn't see something else. That's why it's... Yeah. Maybe they're just scared and show it that way. You know, it's right. again, it's again, the problem is within them and not within, you know, the the others. Mm-hmm. The attacker is the weak one. You're right. You are right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and this is probably like the most like emotional conversation I've had. <laughs> this show but But it's necessary it's necessary it is it is as long as you pay your taxes (laughs) it's always I tell them right it's it's okay let's let's um let's let's go to German let's talk about let's talk about the German language when you so you said when you started learning German in in school and then you eventually moved to Germany and you you know you didn't really have such a great grasp of the German language once you got there what was your experience like when you first got to Germany and 
and having to navigate a new life in a new language. That was tough. (laughs) (laughs) That was so tough thinking back about these old days, you know, when I came and of course I was able to um, make small dialogues or, you know, uh, speak German, Uh, but, uh, you know, not that quick. Uh, all of a sudden, everyone is speaking um, German and you don't have break, you know, just to speak a few minutes and just leave and go back to the languages that you know much better. Right. So, um, well, um, I was, by the way, one of the best students in the language course. Uh, and I felt very comfortable to ca- talking with my uh, other students that came from all over the world. We were in, in an international Uh, class all learning German Uh, so I was one of the best Uh, but you know the thing is talking to Germans to natives that Mm. was the tough one because they speak so quickly right and they have kind of attitude you know (laughs) I can't describe I can't tell you exactly um, what it is but that was the hard thing um and you know what uh we we talked a lot about the palestinian dialects and the dialects in the levant um so in germany i learned in class to speak uh, um, german we say hochdeutsch Mm -hmm. uh, which is a modern standard german let's say standard german right So um, when I went out of the class, I was trying, you know, to buy something, whether it's the supermarket or or, uh, whether I'm buying a ticket for the cinema or like for the train or something. I can't understand what people are talking. (sighs) So I was like wondering what the hell? It's kind of another language they're speaking to me. So like maybe... um, one month I was talking with my teacher and I tell him, yeah, I don't understand when people talk outside. I can't understand you. I, I can understand everybody else and what's written in the book and all my grammar exercises. Mm. But I don't understand what them do they speak outside? And then you said, well, you know, uh, Ikhlas, they speak dialect. And then that was a shock for me. What? Even in Germany, there are dialects. There, there is a huge amount of dialects. So uh, that was hard for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, at a certain point, you know, I managed. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> So I managed so that I become a teacher. <laughs> so when we're talking about Hochdeutsch um, and relating to that standard German and the dialects of German, would you say that it would be comparable to someone who learned MSA and then went to an Arabic speaking country where you're more likely to hear the local dialect of wherever you are. Um, you can compare it like that. Yes. Okay. But uh, modern standard Arabic and dialects are much more far from each other than German, you know, mm. German, standard, modern standard German, Hochdeutsch and uh, dialects. They're closer, you know, Uh, they're closer to each other. It's just about more about the pronunciation. But in uh, modern standard Arabic and dialects, there is more uh, of a difference. Mm -hmm. You're saying that the difference, there's a greater difference between MSA and Arabic dialect than there is on Hochdeutsch and German dialect. So someone reasonably speaking if someone could learn German could learn the this Hochdeutsch and they can maybe understand enough or maybe find somebody who can communicate with them in in Germany right yes um you know uh when when people learn Hochdeutsch um modern standard German 
um, they, after a while, they can get used to the uh, dialect uh, from the area they live in, but you know, they can also understand the other dialects. This may be, won't be the case when they understand Levantine dialect, but don't understand Gulf dialect. Right, right. So, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I did. Um, well, I've told you, and I've said this on the show a thousand times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I'm obsessed with Arabic. I can't wait to learn Arabic. I'm really, I really want to learn Arabic. I think it's such a beautiful language. Um, Thank you so much, El. <laughs> I love to hear that. I don't hear that always, you know. Everybody would say Arabic is like a language that the sound of Arabic could be rude or not nice. So you're one of the people that you, uh, encourage me about my <laughs> language. Thank you. <laughs> it's so beautiful. No, I've definitely, I've definitely said that before here on this show. And, and people have said like, you know, similar to you that they hear such negative things about the language. And I want to tell people like, if you think Arabic sounds like rude or harsh, it's because you're not really listening. And it's like, just, uh, I could go on forever and ever and ever. This would just be an Arabic language podcast, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. But you are right. People should listen more. And, you know, language is like a culture. You can't say it's, you know, it sounds rude or unpolite or something, you know. Um, you have to listen very well. Mm -hmm. And um, well, I always say it depends on temperatures. It depends on, you know, uh, your environment. If you speak slowly or quick, or if you speak loud or, you know, low. Um, and it's always about the speaker, you know. The case uh, is I teach uh, German and Arabic. So even for Germans, Arabic might not sound like a beautiful language. Mm. But for the others, German doesn't sound like a beautiful language exactly. too, right? Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> I've heard the same things about German. Like Yeah, but you know what? I'm a I'm a language freak. <laughs> I I actually love both languages and I love languages, you know, I love languages and I love cultures. And in languages, you have so many uh, information about the, about the cultures. So um, I think it depends on who is speaking the language, you know. Mm. Um, uh, there's, you know, uh, one, one, I don't know, it's like a video about different words in different languages. Like, for example, the word butterfly in, um, oh. in English. <laughs> yes. So a uh, butterfly and schmetterling in, in German, right? Yeah. So they say in, in, in English, you would say butterfly. And in German, you would say schmetterling. <laughs> but actually, you also can say schmetterling. Exactly. Well, which is also nice. And yeah. you can say butterfly. So it depends, <laughs> you know. How do but, you say butterfly in Arabic? Parashi. Oh, it's also sweet, right? Yeah, you could pretty much say anything in Arabic and I'd say, oh, that's so sweet. You know, uh, the thing about the Arabic language, it's a Semite language and we have the Semite um, consonants, which mm. is the ha, like in the word Habibi. Everyone knows Habibi, right? My Everyone favorite. heard that Habibi. <laughs> <laughs> so these, these, this, this sound it comes from the heart. Yeah. Habibi means, by the way, my love, right? It's so my it's, favorite. <laughs> yeah, and it comes from the heart. See? Habibi. Yeah. Tell me, how did you, how did you start teaching German and Arabic? How did you 
How did you get into that? How did you decide that you wanted to teach these languages? Tell us about your business, your, your teaching business and what methods you use for your students. Um, what are your students like? How are they adults? Are they kids? And yeah. t- tell me everything basically, but <laughs> most importantly, most importantly, tell us where we can find you. Okay, so um, um, I, how I came to this business, I actually, after I finished my studies, I uh, started to work in journal- journalism. I started working in uh, German TV, uh, where I um, was doing um, some news, basically news. I was working so hard, but uh, I wasn't able or not allowed to uh, say the, the films that we did. Uh, because when I spoke German, you could hear my accent, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't, you know, you could still, I, I, am, I, I don't want to say I'm perfect in, in German, uh, but I could say I speak much better German than some Germans. Um, but still, when I speak, I have my accent, whether it comes from, you know, my Levantine Arabic or Arabic or whatever, still I have my accent. And so my boss said, you know what, you can, you can work here, but you will never be on TV to, as a German anchor woman, because uh, you still have an accent and on the microphone, everybody can hear it. And in Germany, we're not we don't accept foreigners speaking our language. So this depressed me so much. Yeah. So I decided, you know, I, I, I wanted to be successful and I, I don't, I didn't want to be just in the background. Right. Right. So I, I searched for something else. And I think if he talked about the language, I must find something in, in Arabic, but I live in Germany. Right. So I found Deutsche Welle. This is the German uh, um, TV abroad, right? Mm. Deutsche Welle. So I started working there in the Arabic um, uh, department. And there I was, you know, like I did a good job. I was uh, uh, moderating news uh, in Arabic language. Um, and it was live, you know, we were on air live. Wow. So I did a great job there, but then <laughs> after a while, I, I had my kid, my, I had a baby and I stopped working because, you know, uh, I didn't have uh, help, um, you know, with my baby. Uh, I, uh, I needed to stay at home with my kid, but, um, you know, after a while I, I made a break of five years. I had two kids in this time. Mm-hmm. Then I thought, am I going back, you know, to, to, to work in, um, on the radio? Um, and it was, it uh, was too far from my uh, house where I lived. So, uh, well, I went into, into myself and I thought, what am I doing? What, what shall I do? Then I don't know how it happened. And I, I thought I, I could teach, you know, languages. And, uh, well, I applied for that and I started teaching. Um, uh, first, I started with Arabic and then it went to German. Um, and there, I think I am successful, thank God. <laughs> telling you about my students they are adults Um, I teach in a college um, well or Volkshochschule in German Um, so basically adults let's say from the age of 18 and upwards Uh, this gives me a lot of uh, you know strength and 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 power um, and energy uh, to, to teach because they, I, I, you know, I love teaching Germans. They're very academic and very intellectuals. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the fact they are, that they are learning Arabic means they are very intellectual, right? Right. So um, we have good discussions. Um, 
you know, about my culture, sometimes uh, we compare cultures a lot. We talk a lot. We laugh a lot. <laughs> um, so I think, I think, uh, well, I can't assume 100%, but I, I think I, I offer a fun uh, lesson. <laughs> <laughs> and I would say I am a good teacher. Uh, I, I, later, my students will be hearing me. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'm uh, sure they all agree that you're a wonderful teacher. Uh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so this is about teaching Arabic. Mm -hmm. And then, um, well, I started the I had the offer to teach German as well. And I started that, too. And that was um, these are also uh, adult students basically uh, coming to Germany uh, say for work or you know following their partner who just moved to Germany for work um, uh, and you know they are going um, the same path I went through I just happened to I, I just came before them right and I was much younger um, so uh, I, I teach them and I explain the language I think in a different way than a German teacher mm. um, because I learned it as well. Right. And I went through all these difficulties of the language. So, you know, the tricks I used to learn the, the rules of the language, I, I teach them. I taught them these rules and they were happy, my students. So I keep that and, you know, uh, it's also for me fun to see uh, the, the process of learning the language. It's a thing I went through right. and the development of the students, especially the ones learning German, because, you know, they start with me like a non-speaker. Uh, they could hardly say, hello, my name is, and uh, afterwards like after one year they're making a great dialogue with me so wow. this is a lot of fun and of course one of the nice aspects I like is um, I like to explain to them um, the many in Germany we have so many holidays uh, so every time uh, when we have a holiday I would tell them this is this kind of feast this kind of feast so there are so many things they don't know about the culture. So I'm a culture mediator as well. Yeah. And I love that, you know. I, I love that. that. <laughs> <laughs> like we go with the calendar. Like next week there is, you know, Halloween. Halloween is nothing special in, in Germany, but we, we got that, you know, from they they make that because they learned it from the Americans, yeah. right? So if you have kids, you can do that with the kids. They will be very happy or um, egg hunting on Easter. Let's do egg hunting. That's the way you can do it with your kids and their kids love it. You know? Yeah. You can find me on Instagram. Ikhlas Schumacher is my name. Uh, you can find me on Facebook there. You can, um, you can uh, um, reach me at any time. Yeah, I will definitely add those links into the show notes for yeah. those people who are looking to get in touch with you and maybe someone will want to learn Arabic and German and work with you. Yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> so you told me about, you told me that you wrote a cookbook. You told me this before yes. we started recording and you know, this is very slowly becoming a food podcast because <laughs> like that's all I talk about is food sometimes but um do you want to talk about that yeah sure <laughs> you know uh it's you you get hungry um on a day so many times so it's always good to talk about food and I love to talk about food <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I exchange, you know, recipes with so many people and it's your, you know, and one of the things I do with my students, they ask me to do that with them. Um, in our college, we have a kitchen. So they asked me if we could cook together something, uh, something sometimes Palestinian, sometimes we make it international, like everyone can show 
uh, a bit of the thing. So uh, it ends up as an event where we all like cook together, speak and, you know, eat together, have fun together, maybe drink port wine, like if there's somebody Portuguese or Arak is our um, alcohol that we drink in Palestine, mm -hmm. or, you know, different kinds of wines, vodka and everything, like everybody comes and, you know, put a, put a bit of culture into our events. Uh, so, but now talking back about, uh, about my book, uh, my book, uh, my book's name is Arabesque. It's written in German. Oh. Um, yeah. It's <laughs> All for me because I can't read German. <laughs> I think I will, uh, have to make another cookbook or just translate it to, to English. I think that would be nice. <laughs> um, Arabesque is a book about um Levantine kitchen uh, or let's say Palestinian kitchen uh, it's in the Levant we, do, we don't share only the language but also the cuisine and the culture mm -hmm. uh, so um, in my book you can uh, find the most uh, popular recipes like uh, like uh, tabbouleh mm -hmm. like hummus uh, like a Palestinian dish called maklube and the desserts, which is maybe you have heard of that one, knafi, knaf. Oh, I love knafi. <laughs> it's a dessert um, uh, based on cheese. Mm. Uh, so you can find all these recipes. And, you know, I wanted to have a book uh, with just a simple explanation of the recipe and, you know, the working steps and a picture because I wanted people that read the book, you know, to have a manual. How can I reach that menu or that, that you know, that food? Right. So uh, this is the thing the Germans were telling me we love it because it's, you know, just straightforward to the recipe. Yeah. And, and when you finish it, like you have a great dish for the whole family. Maybe this is a part of the Palestinian culture that when we cook, we don't cook small amounts. I'm sorry. We cook <laughs> huge amounts. <laughs> so um, at the end, it's, you know, you have a great amount of food and you can, you know, have some friends and uh, that can eat with you. Um, and you have, uh, you know, you can make the food out of very simple ingredients hmm. where can is your book available for sale yeah you can buy it on amazon mm -hmm. if you are in the states it's or wherever you are in the world you can uh, uh, you can uh, buy it um, uh, on amazon of course in germany it's in bookstores i will add the link i'll find it on amazon and I'll add the link to your cookbook in the show notes too. Arabesque, Palestinian food, like what, what's not to love? What's not to love about all of that? <laughs> yeah. Yes, <laughs> um, this conversation has lifted my entire spirit. And I'm so thankful for having this time to chat with you. Um, I'm glad that you were able to join me and talk so much about your languages. I like to end each episode on the same question. And that is, do you have any jokes, tongue twisters, cool slang words, idioms, words of wisdom, or words of advice in Arabic or in German to share? Yeah, of course. But before that, El, thank you for having me in your podcast. Um, Thank you so much for your interest. Uh, of course, it's for me um, very, very nice and important. You know, if you give me a voice to just speak up about my background, this makes me very happy. Uh, thank you so much. And let's talk about the, you know, uh, the, the tongue twisters, right? Oh, I, I couldn't find one and, you know. <laughs> 
Uh, I know one in Arabic that was when we were kids, but I don't know if I can still say it, which is, I would say it just quickly now. إحنا عنا بقرة وعمتي بركة عندا بقرة لما دبحنا بقرتنا طلعت مركة ركبت بقرتنا أطيب من مركة ركبت بقرة عمتي بركة <laughs> Did you understand anything? Oh my <laughs> no. gosh, what does it mean? <laughs> It's something like we have a cow my aunt بركة has a cow Uh, if we made a soup out of that, of the neck of that cow, uh, you know, something like that, it would be more delicious than the soup made of the neck of the cow of your aunt. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, it's about also about food. Yeah. But maybe <laughs> one famous, one famous German tongue twister, which is Fischer's Fritz Fischt Frische Fische. Frische Fische fished, Fischer's Fritz. <laughs> so this is one which is uh, very, very known um, for Germans. Then, what, does, what does that one mean? Fischer's Fritz, uh, it's the, the fisher is a fisherman called Fritz. Uh, he fishes uh, uh, fresh fish. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's something to do with food. <laughs> Let's uh, say a few words uh, in Arabic that can help you always wherever you go. Okay. Uh, yalla, which means los, uh, which means uh, come on, yalla. Yalla. Now, now I start mixing up the languages. Sorry. <laughs> so, yalla, yalla means. Uh, come on, let's do it. Let's go. Let's speak. Let's eat. Yalla. 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 It's basically uh, of yeah. Doesn't mean anything. It's something like oh, Allah is God. So together we we make it like one word. It's mm. yalla, which means oh God. But actually we use it to say, come on, let's do something. Let's just start something. Another one is inshallah, inshallah means inshallah, inshallah uh, you listen that everywhere if you are in the Arabic world mm. and the Arabic world is really huge. Uh, yeah. Inshallah means if God is willing. Mm -hmm. So Arabic people are basically religious, right? Mm -hmm. uh, they believe in their faith and there is always God. So inshallah means if God is willing. So if you say, Would you visit me tomorrow? Come for a coffee. They won't say yes, of course, or no, thank you. I don't have time. They would tell you, inshallah. Mm. So with the answer, inshallah, you, you, you don't know, are they coming or are they not coming? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, another one is to say hi. You use the word salam. Salam. Right, salam. Salam means peace. Mm. I want to thank you again. And this has really been a lovely conversation. Before I let you go, do not think about it at all. Just the first thing that comes to mind in any of your languages. In this situation, after we've been talking for all this time, what would be the best way to say goodbye? Well, ma salami. Ma salami. Yeah, ma salami. It's like uh, go and and be safe, mm? be safe. Or we could just easily say salam, salam. We use it to say hi, but also to say goodbye. Salam, salam, salam. Ma salami, ikhlas. Exactly. Ma salami el. Thank you again, and I will be talking to you soon. Inshallah. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye.